Thank you to Wildcare and Wildlife Acoustics for sponsoring the Bat Chat podcast. Can you hear that? We can. Wildlife Acoustics creates the world's leading bat acoustic monitoring tools, designed to help scientists make impactful discoveries for our biologically diverse planet, turning this into this. Visit wildlifeacoustics.com to learn more. Wildcare are committed to supporting the ecology industry and are specialists in supplying a large range of monitoring, conservation and habitat management products, as well as equipment hire and service and repair. With a large range of products coupled with friendly and expert help and advice, Wildcare is a favourite supplier for ecologists nationwide. Go to wildcare.co.uk to see the full range and quote BatChat at the checkout for 10% off all bat detectors and bat boxes. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of BatChat, the brand new podcast from the Bat Conservation Trust. Designed for its members and the wider bat conservation community, BatChat talks to the experts as well as local heroes to bring you the stories from the bat conservation movement. We'll be coming to you every second Wednesday from now all the way through the winter until the spring. And if you're listening to us via a podcast app, you can tap the subscribe button and that way we'll find our way automatically onto your phone without you having to do anything else. I'm Steve Rowe and this is Bat Chat. And this had obviously really got people going because there were so many letters, so many requests. Shirley Thompson, MBE, is a stalwart of bat conservation. She's been editing the Young Bat Worker magazine since its inception 32 years ago. In 2002, Shirley was awarded the Outstanding Voluntary Contribution to Bat Conservation Award, the precursor to the current Peak Guest Award, and I grabbed a few minutes with her at this year's National Bat Conference, which took place in September at the University of Nottingham. Shirley, how did it all start? I wish I had some wonderful story to tell, but not really. Um, in 1981, the Wildlife Countryside Act was, was, it came in and a couple of years later, um, people realized that they needed lots of people to, to talk to householders and so on, explain that no longer were bats pests, but they were to be protected species. Um, rather than government money being put into it, as usual, oh, we'll use volunteers. <laughs> so at that point, apart from one or two small groups, of, of sort of small back groups, there weren't back groups. But that was a time when quite um, deliberately back groups were set up all over the country. And um, in Kent, there were two talks, one at either side of the, the country, um, about bats and asking people to... Um, you know, if they could take part in this and perhaps help mm. out. I was really, my husband and I were both interested in wildlife. We knew nothing about bats. Looking back, I think it also coincided with the time that our second son went to university and there was a gap. Something, something else might yeah. have fallen in, but it happened, I think, to be bats. So we went along to the first meeting. At the end of the talk about bats we were asked if we'd like to leave our names if we were interested in hearing about the first meeting of the Kent Bat Group and I said to my husband um, should we leave our names and I said well as long as we don't commit ourselves don't get involved <laughs> how many years ago did you say it was <laughs> and that's how it happened and you're the BCT's honorary education officer and you edit the Young Bat Workers magazine what made you want to set that up well, was it 1987, the, the first 
National Bat Year, mm-hmm. we were the great thing right at the beginning of the bat movement was to make people aware of the changes or even just aware of bats because at that time myths, you know, sort of held, held everybody's ideas about bats. Um, and so there was a National Bat Year which was put, put out quite a lot of... Um, information and right at the end of it there was a film on television bats need friends which bob stebbing was very involved with and again at the end people were asked to send him for information and this had obviously really got people going because there were so many so Mm. many letters so many requests and we'd actually been started off in the back group by tony hudson who was one of the people who went around starting up back groups and he worked at that time at ffps in london and he said oh can you come up and help me sort out all these letters and what struck us so much that there were so many letters also from children Mm. And there was nothing for children. There wasn't much for anybody, you know, not the great assortment of leaflets we can hand out now. Nothing for children. So um, I said, well, perhaps we could, you know, start something up. <laughs> and that was it. And in those, well, more than 30 years now, there's been over 100 magazines. How do you manage to keep finding new material for With it With difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just hope that nobody else has kept them more like me, because if they look back, they might find some repetition. But you can present the same thing in new ways. And I, one of the things I do find difficult is that at first, I used to get so many letters from children, because I did this actually from home to mm. start with. Um and was only taken up by BCT as the junior section when BCT was formed a little yeah. while later. Um, but I used to get letters from children and queers and help me with my project and sending pictures. It doesn't happen now. They don't write letters anymore. Yeah. Um, all right. It, they might email, but it's, it's unlikely. You've got to dig around on Facebook or something like that, which is a bit sad in a way. You lost that, that direct connection. So if something does come through um, to BCT or is on Facebook or something like that, sometimes if it looks interesting, um, if it's a school or or a family, then I'll I'll try and contact them and take it up from there. But it it is, it's totally changed, that Mm. side of things. And why are you so keen to educate the next generation about bats? Why why has it been a lifelong project? Well, I was a teacher, I mean, and... I think once a teacher, never a teacher, as <laughs> some people tell me who don't wish to know that. Um, well, that, I mean, that's the future, isn't it? It's, there's no answer to that, really. It's just so obvious. And what keeps you motivated? Appreciation, I think, plus the, the fun of, of working with bats. But I couldn't, I couldn't do it, I don't think, if I didn't have appreciation back. So, I mean, you, you did it once, didn't you? Yeah. I did. So when Shirley was, it was, it was, it was your 80th birthday, birthday party yes. and I came up to you afterwards and said, you don't know who I am, but... He was practically on his knees. Because <laughs> <laughs> I joined BCT when I first got into bats when I was 12 years old and I joined Young Bat Workers Club and it was through those magazines and they were black and white back then, Yeah. Um, whereas now it's a lovely colour edition. And it was through Young Bat Worker magazine that sort of yeah. got me going and then eventually upgraded to become a full member yeah yeah well, and now you're a trustee yeah <laughs> and that's that's the sort of thing but even you know next one down from that uh, 
working with Black Conservation Trust, they're just so lovely. You know, yeah. I, I, I can't speak highly enough of them. What changes have you seen in your time as a bat worker? I think the whole attitude to bats has changed. It was a real struggle at first to get people to even think about bats as anything useful out there. But now I think people do know an awful lot more. And, you know, television and various programs and so on really has made people more aware. And I think also just very recently this much more this movement to awareness of the environment and just how much harm we're doing and how much effort we've got to put into improving things. So that's that's a real plus. Mm. What do you wish you'd known when you were starting out? <laughs> oh dear. If I'd known, I'd probably mind to start. <laughs> there have been moments. <laughs> I mean, being from the Midlands, I don't know much about Kent Bat Group at all. What sort of work is Kent Bat Group up to at the moment? What sort of projects and activities have you got going on? Well, the usual standard Bat Group things, but the thing that really we're geographically in an ideal spot for and to me is one of the most exciting things, is the Nathusias Pipistrel project. The Nathusias, as you know, is, is a migratory bat. We didn't know quite to what extent or where it went. And so at the beginning of the project, I think, was it just three or four counties just um, were asked to go, were given training and, and um, asked to trap in three or four sites several times during the year, water sites near the Norta bodies. And um, we're still doing that, and I just find it so exciting. The most, the most exciting moment was, gosh, was it 2014? I think I may be wrong. When um, we were trapping just, just in land, um, just along one of the creeks, as as a person who was had just collected some bats from the from the harp trap, she looked in the bag. Because, you know, you grab them and put them in. You don't look very hard to start. And she realized it was an enthusiast. And she said, oh, it's got a ring on. And I can see her face now. She went redder and redder as she looked at the ring. She said, this bat was ringed in Lithuania. And I'll never forget that moment. That was wonderful. It's enough. God, how far is it? Oh, it's well over a thousand miles. And that was the first of the bats from way up. That was caught, and then we actually caught another on another site in Kent that year, also from Lithuania. And it was rather nice that I, I actually the next year went to the Berlin Bat Conference and actually talked to some of the people who'd been ringing up at that end. And of course, now this year, the really exciting one is that one has been that was ringed in Northumberland has been found in Poland. So that's slightly different direction that so the projects are really starting to have some sort of results now aren't oh, they? oh yes and it's staggering really i mean it, it's not surprising we catch theirs because they they up in lithuania and um latvia they ring thousands because it's in conjunction with with bird ringing as well but when you think it's only not that many comparatively that we ring so the chance of one being picked up again in the other direction is pretty low yeah. And, I mean, I don't know how many they've sent out from Northumberland, but not a huge number because they were one of the later groups to join in. But here one's up, turned up in Poland. It's just amazing. Obviously, you said the bat group's doing the other sort of standard stuff, but you also occasionally get asked to go and do TV stuff because you're on a episode with Julian Clary 
a year or two oh, ago, weren't you? Oh, what was that like to film with him? Oh, he's really nice. He's I, I'm definitely a fan of his now. I mean, he he's absolutely delightful. Um, totally open about everything, you know. <laughs> and very appropriately, he the wonderful house he lives in. Um, it's like an old manor house almost. It used to be owned by Noel Coward. Very appropriate, but he he did it up. But he was just lovely and just is so interested in in um, wildlife and tickle pink, you know, that he had long ear bats in the, in the loft and and we watched pippistoles come out from um, outside the house. Now, yeah, no, but he he was great. And what do you think will be the challenges for bat work in the future? I think. Uh, I think that volunteers are wonderful. Um, the management of volunteers, everybody says, is difficult. I think one one problem I'm finding is actual commitment. You start doing something, you've got to go on doing it. Not necessarily quite as long as I have. <laughs> but, but for instance, if, if you're trained up and um, you're going to take on back care or... Um, or trapping and so on. Having gone through that training and working with people, you need to keep it up to make it worthwhile and yeah. pass that on to other people. You know, it isn't just fun for two or three trips. Would, would you, do you feel that? It's a lot of, it's an investment for somebody yes. to train somebody up. So yes, yes. I, can, I guess yes. if people are taking the time to train people up, it becomes frustrating when they suddenly stop yes. coming and you've yes. passed that skill on and then you don't. Yes help read the benefits of that's that, I guess. right yes yes so yes and it's such such a busy busy world there's so much everybody has so much it's, it's too busy that perhaps one one can't be quite so committed to things yeah I, I think people need to really be sure of what they're doing and why they want to do it and see see how important it is to stick at it and to help other people and bring them into yeah. And what can we do to attract the next generation? What can we help to keep bat work going forward into the future? Carry on with young bat work. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because I mean, I'd love to get into schools and get schools involved more, but again, they are so bound by lack of time and curriculum and mm. so much you, that really you need the teacher to be really keen to want to give that time. It's the teachers I'd like to get hold of. But um, I'm not quite sure the best way to do it. But we're, um, we keep trying. And I still think that the greatest thing you can do is, is show your enthusiasm. Um, so, you know, I think back walks are one of the best ways of getting through to the public. You still... You see a face light up the first time they actually hear a bat on a bat detect. I don't think there's anything like it. I think that's one of the things that really caught me on the first time we went out, our first bat group meeting. We went down to the lake. Somebody got this funny little thing called a bat detector. You know, no, hardly anybody had them in those days. I am very old. <laughs> and um, we went out and we heard them. Absolute magic. And it's that magic is still there to me. Yeah, It's still there. But so if we can get the kids also out there somehow 
and and listening and hearing and getting involved. I mean, these various um, initiatives that there are now, getting people out to camps and and, and forest schools and things like that, I think is great because they've got to get to connect with, with nature and do it soon too. And finally, if you had to describe the bat conservation movement. Oh, dear. <laughs> no, sorry, not that. <laughs> you didn't tell me it was going to be difficult like this. <laughs> um, well, for me, life-changing. Mm-hmm. It's completely changed the, my whole direction. In fact, I, I quite often start, you know, the, at a walk or a talk, I would say to people, I must issue a warning because you can get hooked. And I think, you know, that that is what makes it go forward. There are so many people out there who have got hooked, and it really has become part of their life. Shirley Thompson, it's been a delight. Thank you. Thank you. And if you want to find out more about the Young Bat Workers Club, head to bats.org.uk and click Join Us. Next time, we'll be talking about grey long-eared bats and the big batch year. Until then, don't forget to subscribe. Now, lots of you have seen me in branded t-shirts and hoodies with the Batchat logo on, and you've all been asking me when they'll be available. Well, we're thrilled to let you know that a whole range of Batchat clothing and tote bags is now available for you on our T-Mail store. The link's in the show notes. Whether you're a long-time supporter or a new member of the Batchat family, we can't wait for you to share your photos of you wearing our merch on social media. Be sure to tag the Bat Conservation Trust in your posts. If you're listening to Batchat on Google Podcasts, we wanted to let you know that Google have announced they plan to discontinue their app later this year, so we recommend making the switch to an alternative podcast app, and we've put some links in the show notes to alternative apps that you can follow Batchat on so that you don't miss any future episodes.